1: The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live.
2: This is the race for the win of the Daytona 500, fields in three. Earnhardt swings up to the top of Rick Bass, the left car on the bottom of the racetrack. Dale Earnhardt puts on the block. Earnhardt slips off, turn four, back to the checkered flag. Earnhardt in front of Bobby Labonte, a left car to the inside. Rusty Wallace make that Mayfield and Labonte, banging for second to the stripe. Dale Earnhardt comes to the white flag and the caution flag. And Dale Earnhardt is going to win the Daytona 500 in his 20th try. It'll be Earnhardt coming to the stripe, finally eluding the one prize in NASCAR racing that has eluded him the most over his illustrious career. 20 years of hard work, I tell you.
3: Thank the good Lord for a good day. I tell you, we got a lot of great race fans, a lot of people behind me that... Really, all week long they say, this is your week, this is your week.
1: NASCAR Live is brought to you by Lou Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota Racing information, visit ToyotaRacing.com. From the MRN studios in Concord, North Carolina. Here is your host, Kyle Rickey.
4: Welcome into another edition of NASCAR Live. Kyle Ricky with you for the next 60 minutes as we begin to look ahead to the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series season with the bush clash at the Coliseum now just over a week away. As we continue to celebrate NASCAR's 75th anniversary, we'll flash back to the iconic 1998 running of the Great American Race. Ryan Blaney sits down with Mike Bagley. We begin our team-by-team previews for the 2023 season. Today, the Ford contingent is on tap with deep dives on Team Penske. Stuart Haas Racing, Roush Fenway Keslowski, and Front Row Motorsports, and a whole lot more. But first, Jason Toy is here with a check of the latest headlines. Jason? Jason?
5: Kyle? Two Cup champions will be working together. Todd Gordon will crew chief for Jimmy Johnson in all of his NASCAR Cup Series starts for Legacy Motor Club in 2023. Gordon won a championship atop Joey Logano's pit box in 2018 and is looking forward to working with a champ once again. Jimmy and I have very similar kind of thoughts on this that we both have a passion to race but don't want
6: the grind to bury to the families and you know this was a, an ideal situation for me uh, to come back and get a little bit of the racing bug. You know as it's right now, my involvement's going to be with the 84 team and getting those five races done.
5: Legacy also announced an extension for crew chief Dave Ellens who will continue to work with Eric Jones and the 43 team. Tyler Reddick, a two-time NASCAR Xfinity Series champion, will race select events in the series for Sam Hunt Racing in 2023. Reddick's first race behind the wheel will be at the Auto Club Speedway in February. The rest of his schedule and sponsorship have yet to be announced. After Scott Miller left the position to become NASCAR's newly formed role of competition strategist the organization is replacing him with former cup series driver elton sawyer as the senior vice president of competition sawyer joined the company in 2015 and in his new role will oversee all aspects of on-track competition officiating inspection and rule development and with the bush clash approaching the man who will wave the green flag has been selected usc quarterback and heisman trophy winner caleb Williams will serve as the honorary starter at next week's event in the la coliseum kyle
4: Alright, thank you very much Jason Coming up, we flash back to one of the most famous races in the history of the sport The 1998 Daytona 500 And later, Ryan Blaney joins us Sir, are you aware you were going 40
5: miles an hour? This is a residential area
4: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. We are less than one month away from the 2023 Daytona 500 on February 19th as we continue to count down to the 65th running of the great American race. We're flashing back to some of the best moments it has had to offer. Today we're going back to 1998 and the 40th Daytona 500 where everything finally went right for Dale Earnhardt after 20 years of trying. Kurt Becker has more.
8: The hype surrounding the start of the 1998 NASCAR Cup Series season was higher than it had ever been. The series was embarking on its 50th anniversary celebration, and while nostalgia was abundant, so was debate as NASCAR released its list of the 50 greatest drivers in the history of the sport as chosen by an independent panel. The youngest name on that list was Jeff Gordon. In 1997, Gordon had won his second Cup Series championship and his first Daytona 500. He entered Speed Week's 1998 as an overwhelming favorite to win another edition of the Great American Race. But he had plenty of competition from legends of the sport who were still looking for their first Harley J. Earl trophy.
2: Rusty Wallace takes the lead on the backstretch, dropping help from his brother Kenny. Now Phil Elliott goes by as Wallace leads to three.
8: Rusty and Kenny Wallace
1: One and two as they come around the final time into turn number four. As a matter of fact, give Rusty Wallace three car
2: lengths off turn four. Jeff Gordon is on the apron of the racetrack, not even up to speed, as down to the start-finish line comes Rusty Wallace to win the 1998 Bud Shootout.
8: Speed weeks began with Rusty Wallace finally getting an elusive first win at Daytona in the exhibition Bud Shootout race. In qualifying for the event, another storyline emerged with Joe Gibbs Racing's Bobby Labonte winning the pole for the race with his older brother Terry earning the second starting position to make it an all Labonte front row. In Thursday's Gatorade 125 qualifying races, a two-time Daytona 500 winner took the first event, while a driver preparing to start his 20th edition of the Great American Race took the second. The front three tighten up as everybody scrambles into turn number three
1: behind. They begin to pull away. Here they come. Sterling Marlin leads the pack off the fourth
2: corner to the checkered flag. The race for the transfer spot has been scrambled by the crash in the middle of the pack. To the stripe, though, Sterling Marlin comes. He'll win the first of the Gatorade 125s over Dale Jarrett and Bobby Labonte, who will finish second and third. Caution, and here comes the race to the win, in the Gatorade 125 It's going to be Earnhardt to the stripe, and the caution and white flags at the same time for the ninth straight year. Dale Earnhardt is going to win his Gatorade
8: 125-mile qualifying race at Daytona. Speed Weeks had fully set the stage with a huge list of contenders. From Gordon to the Labonte brothers to Sterling Marlin and Dale Earnhardt, the outcome of the race, as is usual with the 500, was difficult to predict. All of that led to Bobby and Terry Labonte leading the field to the green flag thrown by one of the National Football League's best, Dan Marino. Field coming off turn number
2: four now. Down for the start of the 1998 Daytona 500. 43 drivers ready to run. 200 laps today. Seven million dollars at the end of the day to be passed out. Pace car along pit road. Field in command of the Labonte brothers as we're ready for the start. Moving down the line, Dan Marino will drop the green flag and we are underway in the Daytona 500.
8: The younger Labonte Labonte led the opening 14 laps of the event before the winners of the twin 125s took turns at the point.
2: Now Sterling Marlin gets up alongside Bobby Labonte. Now the Pontiac of Bobby Labonte down to the inside. He'll slide behind Sterling Marlin. Sterling Marlin takes the lead of the Daytona 500. Earnhardt dives down to the bottom of the racetrack and grabs the lead. The battle
1: is on for second. Bobby Labonte to the top of the banking, working on Sterling Marlin. He gets by. Now
2: here comes Cope for third off turn number four. It'll be Dale Earnhardt now taking over the point of the 500 with Bobby Labonte still in second.
8: The defending champion of the series and of the event would make his presence known when he took the lead on lap 59. The man
2: who's going to get the race lead by the time they get back up to speed is going to be Jeff Gordon. Looks like Gordon will take
8: over the lead in the Daytona 500 for the first time of the day. Gordon would stay up front for nearly 50 laps in a caution free first 100 laps of the race. In fact, the race would stay green until lap 127. Six. The yellow finally flew when Ward Burton cut a tire and littered the track with debris in turn three. Caution flag waving on the speedway. There's a car in trouble in turn four. Alan, it's Ward Burton. He's got a right front tire cut down, just <laughs> lifting his way back to the pit, smoke billowing off of his machine as he heads toward pit road. After that caution period, Earnhardt resumed control of the lead, and the race continued its blistering pace until the first accident of the event brought the caution flag out for the second time. Oh,
2: well, trouble up. off turn two. John Andretti makes contact with Robert Preston. They were trying to pass the lapped cars, and as Andretti drove down to the inside of Presley, they made contact and now spin
8: down the back straightaway to the infield safety. Caution is on the speedway. It will come out at lap 172. With just over 20 laps left in the event, another caution flag put the spotlight on the pit crews, with Earnhardt's crew keeping him out front. As the laps in the race wound down, hardly anyone at Daytona International Speedway was sitting down. Anticipation was building that Dale Earnhardt would finally win the Daytona 500. But with the late race misfortune that the Intimidator had encountered in years past, nothing was certain. After lap 198, Two lapped cars got together and brought out the caution flag, leaving Earnhardt, Bobby Labonte, and a young Jeremy Mayfield to race back to the yellow flag and ultimately the win in the 40th Daytona 500.
2: Oh, the no str- off the turn. One uh-huh. car slides down to the inside at his late speed. He makes contact with John Andretti. Both cars spin down to the inside of the racetrack as everyone else gets away. This is the race for the win in the Daytona 500. Fields in three. Earnhardt swings up to the top of Rick Mass, the lap car on the bottom of the racetrack. They Dale Earnhardt puts on the block. Earnhardt slips off turn four. Back to the checkered flag. Earnhardt in front of Bobby Labonte. A lap car to the inside. Rusty Wallace make that Mayfield and Labonte banging for second to the stripe. Dale Earnhardt comes to the white flag and the caution flag. And Dale Earnhardt is going to win the Daytona 500 in his 20th try. It'll be Earnhardt coming to the stripe, finally eluding the one prize in NASCAR racing that has eluded him the most over his illustrious
8: career. Earnhardt had done it in his 20th try, the seven-time series champion had finally won the sport's biggest race. Before he reached victory lane, crew members of every team had lined Pit Row to congratulate him, a moment that many of today's drivers call one of the most iconic in the history of the sport.
5: 98 when Earnhardt finally won. That was a big moment for me. I was a fan of his. And just to see how big of a deal that was and everybody coming out to Pit Row to congratulate him and just see what he did meant or was in nascar was pretty was pretty neat
8: all that was left was for earnhardt to emerge from his car and celebrate in the glory of daytona 500 victory lane dale
3: 20th time is a charm your thoughts 20 years of hard work i tell you thank the good lord for a good day i tell you we got a lot of great race fans a lot of people behind me that really all week long they say this is your week this is your week richard Childress has got one heck of a race team i'm talking about everybody works for richard Childress from the 31 to three truck everybody all this three team everybody's worked so hard for this I, I can't i can't believe we won it in the fashion we did we raced them hard and we. You know, it's just a good race car. It says a lot for the team. It says a lot for all our sponsors. Everybody works so hard at Chevrolet
8: Monte Carlo. It's something else. Now, 25 years later, the sport will celebrate its 75th anniversary and the 65th Daytona 500 in hopes of another Daytona 500 memory that will live forever as Dale Earnhardt's 1998 triumph has done.
4: That moment when Dale Earnhardt was congratulated by every team on Pitt Road will certainly live forever. Coming up, Team Penske's Ryan Blaney stops by to review his 2022 season and preview 2023. And later, we preview what this season has in store for Stuart Haas Racing.
0: Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full-season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Watch your favorite teams' out-of-market Sunday afternoon games, exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds.
7: This is NASCAR Live.
4: Now, back to Kyle Ricky. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. One driver who was a big part of the story of the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series season was Ryan Blaney. Blaney failed to win a points-paying race, but despite that, he still went into the Xfinity 500 at Martinsville with a chance to make the championship four. Ahead of the start of the new season, Blaney sat down with Mike Bagley to discuss his offseason and what it's going to take to get back to victory lane and finally advance to the exclusive Championship Four.
9: Ryan Blaney leads off the end of the back straightaway. Denny Hamlin, two, now three.
4: Carlang's behind him for the final time off the corner. Here comes Denny Hamlin. He will get close. Not close enough. He did it once. He's going to do it twice. He comes across the line, leading the field. This time, the checkered flag is in the air. And Ryan Blaney has won the all-star race here at the Texas Motor Speedway. How has your offseason been?
3: Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty good fairly short i didn't do a lot i kind of stayed home uh, a good bit went to mexico uh, just before christmas with some family so that was nice to, to be able to go to some warm weather but um yeah i didn't do a whole ton just kind of enjoyed the holidays and had a lot of family at my house for christmas and um then gosh we're here before you know it you know so it flies by
9: i'm not going to tell you anything that you don't know we all know what season you had last year you obviously are a part of a conversation where, like, where was the win? What happened to the 12 car? It wasn't by lack of, of trying. How would you assess 2022 with all the newness, including personnel on the team, new race cars? How would you how would you assess that?
3: Yeah, honestly, I thought we had a good year. Um, just the wins weren't there, and that's what you know, didn't make it a great year. Um, I thought we were, you know, we we're in contention to to win a good bit it just we never really executed or, or things just didn't go our way uh you know you hope to just learn from all that stuff you know so um i'm not you know very disappointed in our 2022 season i thought we had a great year with great people and and had a really good chance to go to phoenix um without any wins in the regular season um and you know i made some mistakes at vegas and homestead and and kept us out of phoenix so um that is the disappointed part of in that part of, of myself of making mistakes and keeping us out of phoenix but overall it was a good year first year working with hassler um I'm, i can't wait to get started in our second season together i think it's going to be really awesome um having a year under our belt but uh yeah good year just not a great year what does he bring to the mix yeah you know i you know i feel like his personality and mine are pretty similar um we kind of have the same demeanor uh we think about you know certain things in the same way kind of the process of the you know race car and kind of the flow of the race i think we do a pretty good job at that and being similar on those sides um and he's just you know, he's a young innovative guy you know i mean he really enjoys finding new things he was an engineer for a long time he's still pretty new in the crew chief from world you know i mean he was on the wood brothers car for a little bit in 21 you know the second half of the year and then he's really only got a year and a half of crew chief and under his belt so you know these things i feel like you continue to improve on you know on that side of it and uh, but i just love his demeanor uh his openness to trying new things i feel like that's what you need to have especially in this day and age so
9: we're close to the clash at the coliseum uh going back there for year two uh, have an opportunity to race for that trophy, medals now, and yeah. that is our launch off into the season. Is that a perfect way, in your opinion, to launch the season? The Clash had always been at Daytona, but with this new style of Clash, are you a fan of this?
3: Um, you know, I feel like it's a really unique, you know, thing to do. You know, I'm be honest with you. Last year, when before we went to the Clash at the Coliseum, I wasn't very optimistic about it. You know, I was, you know, like, oh, this is going to be, you know, kind of dumb things like that. But we got there. I was, you know, rolled through the tunnel onto the track. I was like, man, this is really cool. Kind of taking everything in. Um, and it was it exceeded my expectations wildly. Uh, and so going back this year, I think everyone has you know, a little bit of better feel for it. A little bit better taste in their mouth about going back to the Coliseum. Um, it's still going to be rough and rowdy, beating and banging and racing. But I feel like everyone, you know, that we have just a better idea. Um, so I think it's a good way to kick off the season. I think it did well, I think everybody who attended that race um whether it was their first race ever uh whether they've been to a NASCAR race before I think they really enjoyed it um so I'm sure it's gonna be the same this year uh hopefully even better so um I think it's it's good it is I do miss the clash being in Daytona you know because that's just was part of the Daytona allure right that's fair you know like we're there in Daytona for the the whole week you know and we have the clash it was special to be in it because you can kind of get a little pre-race before the 500s, you know, and the duels and stuff like that. Um, but it is what it is now. Times change.
9: What's it like now? Speed Week, you talk about the Clash going to the Coliseum. So when you roll onto the property, no practice, right into qualifying for the 500. You'll do the dual race, get a couple of days off from racing, but still have practice in it into the 500. The cadence of that week of Speed Weeks. What is it like now as a driver with what we do now that's different at the World Center of Racing?
3: Yeah. Um, it's. It, I don't know if you call it speed weeks anymore. It's like speed few days. You know, it's <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> speed handful of days. Um, it's definitely different. You know, I mean, heck, even when I first started doing it on the cup side in, you know, 15, 16, you know, you were there for like 10 days. You know, my dad was running. You know, you're there for two weeks. Um, so it is. It has changed. This year is probably the biggest change. We're going no practice. You qualify your 500 car, you run right into the duel. I personally don't really like that. like you need to have a little bit of practice in your 500 car. I mean, guys, you know we've all, there's only a handful of us who have tested so far in the offseason. Speedway stuff is vastly different than anything you can ever go test. Uh, so I would have liked to have had like one practice before the duels of you getting into your 500 car and then go out here and run this duel and hopefully everything's okay on your car. Hopefully nothing breaks. And you have no leaks or nothing like that. And don't know how it's going to handle. I have no idea. Fire off in the duel in your 500 car. Not sure if I'm a big fan of that, but we'll see how it is. Fair enough. Yeah.
9: You've got the year of the next gen under your belt. You're coming back for year two. And I'm sure you, the rest of the Penske crew, have learned a lot. What have you taken away from that first year of experience with the car that perhaps maybe you could address maybe in a different way to yield different success in twenty three
3: yeah you know whenever you have previous experience with something you know after a year you just understand kind of what to expect a little better what this car likes doesn't like what are the important areas to work on on this car i thought penske as a whole did a great job obviously with you know joey winning the championship a huge year for for penske um, and it was cool to be a part of that um, so i think we did a great job of adjusting and adapting to this card, I think that's something we do really well at the Pesky Group is we adapt very well uh, to new things and uh while also continuing to you know innovate and, and find better and better things. So um, I think having that success in 22 as a whole team will hopefully relay over to you know this upcoming season and you can continue your success and build on what you learned last year.
4: Thanks, Mike. Coming up, we start our 2023 team previews with a look at Stuart Haas Racing. And later, all of Team Penske takes center stage.
7: This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Kyle Rickey.
4: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. 2023 brings a mix of new and old to Stuart Haas Racing. The longest-tenured driver at the team, Kevin Harvick, has announced 2023 will be his last, but veteran driver Eric Almarola returns after initially intending to leave after 2022. The new comes in the form of Ryan Priest, who takes over the number 41 car from Cole Custer. Can he have the same success that Chase Briscoe had last year? Susie Armstrong has more.
10: 2023 symbolizes a beginning and end for the Steward-Haas racing contingent, starting with the longest-tenured SHR driver, Kevin Harvick. His full-time career will come to an end after the conclusion of the upcoming season. Harvick felt 2023 was the perfect time based on the plan they came up with well in advance.
11: Really we started this process uh, of you know probably a year and a half ago or so was to have a proper plan, uh, plan the year out correctly, do the work that came with it uh, in in respect for your race team, your people that have you know been with you for, 10 years now, the people that have worked with you for, I have some of them that have worked for me for 25 years, uh, just to try to go out and, and give them the the opportunity to to do the things that that they need to do going forward, celebrate it with everybody, and give the race fans an opportunity to, uh, that have supported you for 25 years uh, at a lot of these places, uh, the opportunity to come out and watch, watch one more race. So all signs just pointed to, uh, professionally pointed to 2023, and doing it the right way. And, and there's just a there's a lot of things that, that, that uh, have taken place and a lot more that will take place. And, and we'll just uh, continue with our plan and, and feel like we have it all laid out pretty well.
10: Reflecting on 2022, Harvick bounced back after a less than ideal start of the season. The veteran driver ended a 65-race drought and finally took home a checkered flag at Michigan. He then followed that feat with a victory at Richmond the next week. Even though the team found success late in the year, the four-car would be eliminated from playoff contention after the round of 16. Harvick enters 2023 with 60 Career Cup Series wins and hopes to add to that number in his final season. When it comes to new beginnings, one driver has found that in SHR. Ryan Priest spent last season bouncing around to rides in all three NASCAR National Touring Series while serving as SHR's reserve driver. With Cole Custer taking a step back to the Xfinity Series, Priest will drive the number 41 full-time and hopes to find success as he's reunited with a familiar face.
0: Chad Johnson just recently announced as the crew chief. How key is it to have a familiar voice, familiar face, and a guy you've been to Victory Lane? with in the truck series with chad
12: yeah well i think you know some people might hinder away from from doing something to where they feel like they don't have the experience with the car or whatever but you know it's it's like when i try to get people to take a chance on me right i i don't have much experience in the next gen car but i know i'm going to drive and be prepared and and do everything else that i feel is right you know chad's a guy that me personally we we just click And, uh, you know, he's a racer himself. Uh, Chris Gabehart said this uh, uh, a year or so ago when we were at the Snowball Derby together. And, you know, that's our golf game is racing. Well, Chad's the same way. We're racers and, and our golf game is racing. We just have so many things in common. We can have those difficult conversations that that sometimes you just have to have. And as far as we we talk about uh, driver-crew chief relationships and needing to gel and and all those things, and it's so true. And that's something that I found out over the past few years, the personalities that I that I work really well with and sometimes that I just struggle with. And so I feel like this year, is this is the guy that that I've really wanted, and uh, we're really looking forward to working together.
10: Priest spent three seasons at JTG Doherty Racing, and in his first for SHR, is Still looking for that first Cup Series win. One driver who's been indecisive about the end of his career is Eric Almirola. The veteran driver announced early in 2022 that he would hang it up at the end of the year. But that's not the case. And the 38-year-old is back in the 10 car for at least one more season. With futures uncertain for multiple members of SHR, Almirola says the team's dynamic hasn't faltered.
13: I think it's pretty awesome to be honest. I think it's full of energy, right? Kevin has a tremendous amount of energy to go out, you know, with a bang and still compete at a very high level on his way exiting the sport. You know, for for me, it's that same mentality of, you know, I, I want every single race to be my best, right? And I want to get better with age. I want to get better with experience I, and I want to continue to progress. And I work really hard. I think that's one of the things that, you know, kind of motivated me to, being okay with stepping away is because I've put in a tremendous amount of effort between studying film and going to the simulator and working with my team and all those things to be the best that I can be. And so that that energy level from me is still very, very high. And then you look at Chase Briscoe coming off of a career year, um, you know, making the playoffs, winning his first race in the Cup Series, going deep into the playoffs, a lot of hunger and a lot of drive from him coming back into this year. And then Ryan Priest, you know, getting in a great opportunity with a great organization. He's been around the, the sport for a while now, um, had an opportunity to go cup racing, didn't work out. And so he's got an opportunity much similar to me to where, you know, he's got a second chance with a great organization to go improve himself. And so it's going to be fun to watch how he performs this year.
10: Almarola enters his 12th year of full-time NASCAR Cup Series competition in search of another win since July of 2021 when he took home the checkered flag at New Hampshire. A competitor who found his footing for SHR in his second season was Chase Briscoe. The 28-year-old got off to a fast start by winning the fourth event of the year at Phoenix. Briscoe also scored six top fives and ten top ten finishes before elimination from championship contention after the round of eight. With the next-gen car, all of the drivers had to learn on the fly to get adjusted to the new vehicle. But Briscoe said there's one area he has to improve upon.
6: For me, I felt like the biggest thing I learned last year, especially come playoff time, was just if you have a 15th-place car, let's try to run 12th to 11th with it instead of trying to win with it because i feel like every time i try to win with it i end up wrecked or you know finishing way worse than even 15th where in the playoffs you know trying to take that 15th place card and run 11th 12th with it you normally ended up running 7th or 8th with it so just trying to to be more consistent on that side i don't push it kind of understand the risk first reward and, and not eliminate myself in these races so that's what we're hopefully doing in 2023 and hopefully we can kind of carry all that momentum we ended last year with
10: kevin harvick ryan priest eric Almarola, and chase briscoe are all aiming towards a big jump for Stuart haas racing with the right mix of experience and young hungry drivers shr should have no problem getting back to its winning ways in 2023 Coming up, we
4: preview what 2023 has in store for Team Penske. And later we'll focus on year two for Brad Keselowski at Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing.
7: This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to
4: Kyle Rickey. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. It's going to be hard to top the year that Team Penske had in 2022. They started the year with Austin Sindrick winning the Daytona 500. Ryan Blaney was as consistent as ever and won the NASCAR All-Star Race. And the team capped off the year with Joey Logano winning his second championship. Is the same kind of success on tap again? Tim Catalfamo is here to preview 2023 for Team Penske.
6: 2022 was a good year for Team Penske in the NASCAR Cup Series. Austin Sindrick, in his rookie season won his first race as a full-time Cup Series driver, which just happened to be in the season opening Daytona 500.
4: Here comes Brad Keselowski topside, but it's the rookie that we off for A whole bunch of Fords at the front of the field, and here they come. Sindrick
14: trying to squeeze Blaney into the fence, and at age 23, Austin
6: Sindrick has scored. The Daytona 500 win! For Ryan Blaney, he went winless on the season, but it didn't stop him from taking part in the playoff field of 16, advancing all the way to the round of eight. Oh, and in case you forgot, Joey Logano won his second Cup Series championship at Team Penske.
2: For the second time in his career, up off turn number four, checkered flag in the air, Joey Logano wins the NASCAR Cup Series season finale race, and Joey Logano is the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series champion.
6: So 2022 was a pretty good year for the Penske boys, but it's onward and upward as we're only a few short weeks away from the 2023 season officially starting in Daytona. may now be a two-time cup series champion but the high of a championship didn't last very long as life got back to normal right after he landed home from his championship media tour life doesn't change like that's what everyone thinks like oh you win a championship and
15: and everything's gonna be different everyone's gonna treat you different and there's just red carpets everywhere you go like no no and i wouldn't want that either like i want to live a normal life or at least as normal as i can make it as a race car driver and yeah I. We come home and, like, we bring our kids to school. We got to change diapers. We got, you know, your kids, we, we have the same challenges with our kids as everybody else does. Like, there's literally nothing different. Like, like can't get our kids to sleep through the night. They get the stomach bug. They get, like, they get all this crap and it's part of it's part of life that's what you do and because you're a race car driver or could you win a championship doesn't change any of that so like your life doesn't really change
6: while life may not have changed much for joey logano outside of welcoming another child to the family he and his crew chief paul wolf are sure to have a target on their backs going into the 2023 season as they look to win back-to-back titles the 2022 campaign for ryan blaney was a season of change for the young driver as he teamed up with new crew chief jonathan hassler following the departure of todd gordon while the pair failed to visit Victory Lane last season, they still managed to be a factor all the way until Martinsville in the playoffs before falling short of the championship four race. So the question is: Was 2022 really a good year for Ryan Blaney?
3: Yeah, honestly, I thought we had a good year. Um, just the wins weren't there, and that's what you know, didn't make it a great year. Um, I thought we were, you know, we were in contention to, to win a good bit. It just we never really executed, or, or things just didn't go our way. Uh, you know, you hope to just learn from all that stuff, you know, so um, I'm not, you know, very disappointed in our 2022 season. I thought we had a great year with great people and and had a really good chance to go to Phoenix um, without any wins in the regular season. Um, and, you know, I made some mistakes at Vegas in Homestead and Homestead and kept us out of Phoenix. So um, that is the disappointed part of in that part of in myself of making mistakes and keeping us out of Phoenix. But overall was a good year first year working with hassler um i can't wait to get started in our second season together i think it's going to be really awesome um having a year under our belt but uh Yeah, good year, just not a great year. While 2022 represented a goose egg in the
6: win column for Blaney and Hassler, it's hard to imagine that'll be the case for the duo in their second year together. Last year, Austin Sindrick recorded his first Cup Series win in what will surely be one of the biggest wins of his career, no matter where he goes going forward in the Cup Series. He also made his first trip to the playoffs in his first try and took home Rookie of the Year honors. Coming off of a strong season debut, Syndrick though still believes he has a lot to learn.
16: Yeah, I would credit you know Jeremy and some of the guys on the team for for letting me go find my way. In in some cases, you know I, I think there's no right or wrong way for for a driver to develop, and whether it it's the timing of when they move up into higher series or whatever else. Um, but I've always learned the best when I've screwed it up for myself. <laughs> so. Uh, there were plenty of times last year where man, I want to go this way with a car and granted we we don't have a lot of information to base it off sometimes it's just you know with, with especially with last year with the next general car and no practice like it's kind of just based off your gut and you know they they trusted me to make the right calls and sometimes i wouldn't sometimes i wouldn't and um, kind of left me left me a bit of leash to go learn so um, I feel like there's there's a lot of opportunities that we can look back at that from last year and you know definitely learn some things I feel like maybe. Um, taught each other some things as far as the team and um, ways that we're able to, to to dial that in even further and, and, and try and take my game up to the next level.
6: Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, and Austin Sindrick should all once again represent a strong trio for Team Penske in 2023, with realistic title expectations abound and each being a threat to take home the checkered flag every weekend. All told, it should be a
4: fun ride for Team Penske in 2023. Thank you, Tim. Coming up, we'll put a bow on our team previews for the week by discussing Roush Fenway, Keselowski Racing, and Front Row Motorsports. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back
7: to Kyle Rickey.
4: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. It's time to wrap up our preview of the Ford contingent in the NASCAR Cup Series for 2023. Jason Toy is back with a deep dive on the teams that are looking to take another step forward and contend for the playoffs this season. Roush Fenway, Keselowski Racing, and Front Row Motorsports.
5: The teams at Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing and Front Row Motorsports will once again be representing the Blue Oval of Ford as teams look for better fortunes in 2023. Year one as a driver owner for Brad Keselowski had many ups and downs. He failed to win a race and thus he missed out on the playoffs. But despite the rocky start behind the wheel of the number six, he's not deterred heading into 2023. You
15: know, there's been ups and downs and everything in between and uh some moments we're proud of some moments that you know we're learning from the hard way and um probably a, a lot of it is to be expected and it, it's a it's a journey with a, a lot of different steps uh, in the way of the process but uh i'm excited about the progress we're showing and i'm firmly believe that we can get uh, this company to work and win races and contend for championships and, uh, and titles for, for years to
5: come. While on-track success eluded Keselowski in 2022, it wasn't all bad for the RFK racing team as a whole. Chris Busher had the best season of his Cup Series career in the number 17. Busher notched a career-high 10 top 10s, along with a career-best top five finishes, including a win at Bristol. Because of that success, there's a lot of optimism
17: among Busher and his team heading into the new season. I think it's been strong. Uh, you know, I think that everybody's been pumped up to, to hit the ground running with this car and, and fire off this season at these tracks where, where we really just we didn't hit last year. You know, we went out west. We were kind of chasing it. Uh, we went to Dakota It's the only road course last year that, that we really didn't perform where we should have, and uh, and it was off by a lot. Uh, I have percent confidence now that we're going back to Coda to go go win a race you know that that's where I feel like we've been able to get to so um, you know you start pointing out just a couple of racetracks on the way well it well, turns out it's it's eight or nine races really early in the season It's race that now we have an ability to win well you win a race early up in the playoffs that takes off the the stress of points racing as we get towards the cutoff and, and you stop worrying about that and when you stop worrying about points racing you're able to put your best foot forward every single week to go win a race, to go get that trophy, which is ultimately what we're there to do. Um, the points race has become a, a very massive part of our sport. Uh, I guess it always has been, but uh, I guess with the playoff format, it's changed how we, we approach our seasons. And if you can get that win early, then you get to go back to the old school way and, and race hard for that for that trophy every week. According to
5: Keselowski, Busher's success speaks to the culture he and the team are helping to build at RFK.
15: Yeah, we're just continuing to drive the right culture and the right mentality that it takes to win races with uh, you know great competition. You know, you can never take anything away from your competitors, and, and respecting that. Uh, but also having a, a firm desire and belief that we can be the best
5: Michael McDowell is back once again driving to number 34 for Front Row Motorsports but change was abound for his team this offseason. McDowell's former crew chief Blake Harris departed the team to work with Alex Bowman at Hendrick Motorsports replacing Harris is Travis Peterson who comes over from RFK Racing where he worked as a lead race engineer for Busher, Ryan Newman and Matt Kenseth. McDowell admits that it is daunting to lose several valuable members of his team but he's excited about the new additions and where the team is headed
15: you know it's daunting when you get to november and you find out half your team is going somewhere else and you have such good chemistry and you're rolling and running good every weekend it's just a kick in the gut you're like oh man Um, but not just being optimistic we landed really great people and i feel like how cool is it going to be to do this again year three you know year one drew win the 500 lose our crew chief year two blake comes up has success lose crew chief car chief interior guy front end rear end i mean there's three guys on our program right now that were on the 34 last year me the spotter and the pr guy (laughs) and and so it was a complete start over and um But I feel really good with where we landed and the people that we got. We got some great hires, and uh, I feel like we'll be going forward at Front Row. Um, But it's going to take time. It is. I mean, you just can't fabricate chemistry. You can't. And it took Blake and I a little bit to get going. Um, And I'm sure it'll take Travis and I a little bit to get going. But we have a great foundation, and we have great people at Front Row and all those names that we mentioned those are just one or two people that are part of that 70 that make our race cars go fast and so our core team of people pretty much stayed intact except for our road crew that's on the 34 so I'm still optimistic about you know what we can accomplish and what we can build and feel really good with with Travis and in um, the team that he's assembled and that we've put together at front row. so In
5: 2022, Todd Gilliland made the big leap from the Craftsman Truck Series to the Cup Series as he embarked upon his rookie year. As one would expect, there were ups and downs, highs and lows for Gilliland and the number 38 at front row. He'll also work with a new crew chief this season as his former crew chief, Seth Barber, was promoted to team's technical director. Taking Barber's seat atop the pit box will be Ryan Burgundy. No matter the changes, Gilliland will be leaning on his crew chief, Burgundy, and his team mate mcdowell
17: yeah he's been a, a really good role model for sure i think um he's
3: a big family guy he's been at front row for i guess five five or six years maybe five now and um so it's really cool just i mean he's got knows the ins and outs of that place first off and then obviously his on-track performance this year is really really good so um still a lot to gain on or still a lot of progress to be made but um i think
6: If we can get to performing at his level, that'd be a good goal for this year.
5: Change is the operative word for both RFK racing and front row motorsports, but so is the optimism as both teams look to take the next step in 2023.
4: Coming up, we wrap up this week's show by hearing some of the highlights from the 2023 NASCAR Hall of Fame induction ceremony. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Kyle Rickey. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. It's about time to head for the exit ramp on this week's edition. But before we do so, we thought it would be nice to take a trip all the way back to 1967 to hear a snippet of the ninth running of the Daytona 500. We may get the green this time.
18: They come now into the tri-oval directly below us here is the start-finish line. It looks as if we might very well get a start now, and we do. The green flag is out, and they're racing. Take it, Hal.
14: Okay, and here they come with Curtis Turner pulling out in front ahead, and of course, it's a real, real battle toward this first turn. The four and five abreast coming into here. Turner up about five, Carl and Richard Petty in second place, and A.J. Boyd in the third place as they go into the highway first and second turn. Leroy Yarbrough trying to jockey. He's in fourth spot. Freddie Lorenzo is riding in the number five spot with Buddy Banker in sixth spot as they go down the long back straight away. Richard Petty trying to catch up. There goes Leroy Yarbrough on the inside and three of grass going down the back straight away.
18: Let's go to the third turn. And as they come into my corner right out in front is Curtis Turner. Leroy Yarbrough now takes over second spot. Right on the outside is Richard Petty now moving up. It's a wheel-to-wheel battle for second. Freddie Lorenzen is dropping back a little bit. Paul Goldsmith this boot right up on Petty as they get down into the trioval. back to radio control. As they come down toward us here now at the start-finish line, once again, the old Fox, Curtis Turner, qualified at 180.831 and is demonstrating that he can hold it. Let's go over to the second turn, Barney Hall.
14: All right, it's still Curtis Turner out front, but he's going to get some competition as they move into the number one corner. Richard Petty moving up on his bumper. Leroy Yarber down inside, a real three-way battle going for the number two spot there right now. It's still Curtis Turner leading the pack as they go off the number two quarter, Richard Petty sitting right on him, Leroy Yarber running third, Goldsmith running fourth, as they go down, and Richard Petty looks as though he's going to take over the lead. Up to you, Bob Smith. Right, Richard Petty has taken the lead, and moving in on the inside is Leroy Yarborough, Leroy Yarborough pushing that Dodge Charger right into the lead, going right by Richard Petty. Petty just momentarily held that lead. It's now Leroy Yarborough. Richard Petty, and Curtis Turner coming through the fourth turn. Then we have Buddy Baker and Paul Goldsmith and A.J. Foyt. Now back to radio control.
18: Leroy Yarborough, the boy from Columbia, South Carolina, has taken the lead. He's being drafted
14: very closely by
18: Petty as they swing past the underneath. And let's watch the first turn again. Okay, Leroy Yarbrough out in front. There's a real
14: pack. There's about six or seven cars in the first pack, and then another pack immediately behind that. Leroy Yarbrough out in front. Richard Petty second. Curtis Turner running third. Paul Goldsmith fourth. AJ Foyt running fifth. Buddy Baker running sixth. Mario Andretti running 7th, Tiny Lott is
18: running 8th as they go down the back straightaway back to radio control. And take it on the 4th turn,
14: Bob Smith. All right, they're moving down the back straightaway now. It's still Leroy Yarbrough. He's starting to open up a bit of a lead now. He has about a two-car lead over Richard Petty as they move through the 3rd and 4th turn. Curtis Turner still holding down 3rd spot. He goes low as A.J. Foyt goes high. Now in 4th place. And Paul Goldsmith is up in the fifth place. They move through the fourth turn, back
18: to radio control. And over to the second turn, Bonnie Hall.
14: Ted, the slower cars also in the rear are picking up speed now. They were waiting for the leaders to move out front and give them a little running room. They're closing up, and we've got drafting situations going on all around the track. As they come down into the number one corner, it's still Leroy Yarborough. Then Don Charger, Richard Petty, is running second. Here comes Curtis Turner up through the field again. Turner up to make a bid for the number two spot. He's alongside Richard Petty. He gets around, Petty as they go off the number two corner and he's got a challenge
18: for the lead on Leroy Yarbrough as they go down the long back shoot back to radio control. Bob McGinley. And as they come at me now, there's three breast going into the corner with A.J. Foyt moving up into second spot. Running third behind Leroy Yarbrough is Curtis Turner. Buddy Baker is fourth. Richard Petty fifth. Mario Andretti is sixth. Seventh spot is Goldsmith. Eighth position, David Pearson, as they string out and go into the tri-oval. It's go, 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 and back to radio control.
4: Several years ago, it was Leroy Yarbrough who set a special track record. You can hear that race in its entirety right now on MRN.com or by subscribing to MRN Classic Races wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. That'll do it for this week's edition of NASCAR Live. A big thanks to Ryan Blaney for joining us. For the entire Motor Racing Network crew, I'm Kyle Rickey. Have a great week, and we'll see you right here. Here to do it all over again next week here on the Motor Racing Network.
1: NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing
4: Network with studios
1: in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit Toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downey, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.